This is the Smith and Seidel Show. Now here's your hosts, Zach Smith and Jacob Seidel. Hey Zach, how's it going? It's going well, sir. How are you doing? Good. Uh, we got a big thing to welcome you into, to welcome everyone into, I should say. Oh, are, you're not going to insult me, are you? No. This is our 20th podcast. <gasps> Hooray! Happy anniversary! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Smith Insidle Show, episode 20. That is exclusively available on the podcast side. We're not counting the streams we did last week. We're sorry for the delay, but schedules between my two jobs, Zach's job and school, it's, it's been insane. Yeah, life comes at you fast, so we've been trying just to get everything set up. So again, sorry for the delay on everything. Uh, problems on both of our engines, getting everything set up and prepared. But hey, we've got an episode out for you. It's a great one. A um, lot of big things to talk about. We are now in the NFC and AFC championship round. We'll talk about wild card weekend, the divisional round, what we see for some of these teams going on into the future. NFL draft news, a couple of big names saying I will forego my season and go to the NFL draft, a big, big blockbuster trade in the NBA and so much more to talk about. And on top of that, maybe some hints towards some future episodes. So big episode here to listen to stick around. Yeah, and we'll start this one off the way we start every episode, Zach. Uh, And this is today in sports history. And on today's date in 1950, today's date being the 18th of January, Indians pitcher Bob Feller, after a 15 and 14 season, takes a $20,000 salary cut to $45,000. The pay cut is Bob Feller's own suggestion. And first off, yeah, you were one game over 500, but do you know how many pitchers in modern day baseball would kill for 15 wins? It's Insane. a lot, dude. It's hard to get just a 10 wins sometimes for a lot of pitchers. And the other thing that that sticks out to me with that stat and is something that I've actually really come to enjoy with a lot of athletes, and it's the pay cut of it. Um, now, I I gotta just say it like this because this is the best way to approach it athletes make a lot of money a lot of money um now i understand a lot of it has to do with you know it's the entertainment industry but if you've looked at a couple of players over the last couple of years a couple of them have taken pay cuts to ensure that other players get paid um the most notable one that pops into my head is kevin durant when he was with the warriors now you know, his move to the Warriors might have been deemed as one of the most um, ring-happy trades that I've ever seen. He goes from a Thunder team that was so close, so close to having an opportunity for a ring. And then, you know, he goes to a Warriors team that's already built, ready to go. Um, but the man who is one of the top five basketball players at least in the United States, I'm not going to say, you know, the world, because I can't say that. Um, he took a pay cut to keep the bench together. So 
that, that that's a huge huge thing at least on my end because it shows that you care more about the team than the money so here's the other thing about this one p- pitchers in this era were a different breed they there were times where they'd throw two games of a double header 200 pitch uh like 200 pitches in a game and on top of this, this is 1950. You know where Bob Feller was just a few years before this? He was serving in World War II. Yeah, yes. W-W-I-I. First off, that's something we would never... We haven't seen that really since Pat Tillman of the Arizona Cardinals left football. But that's something we don't see in, like... Kudos to you. This is why I have so much respect for Bob Feller, not only as an Indians fan, but as an American. He left a game where he was the he was a star. He was a household name, not only in Cleveland, but all around the league. He served his country in one of the most trying times of our history, and he came back. And when he thought he wasn't up to snuff, he told the Indians front office, I'm going to take a pay cut. Kudos to you, sir, and may you rest in peace, Bob Feller. Well, I think it's fitting that we uh, move just into the MLB. We had a really, really big announcement come out of the MLB over the past two weeks, and it actually has to do with your Cleveland Indians. I'll let you go ahead and do this because I know it pains you. Francisco Lindor. And Carlos Carrasco have been traded to the New York Mets for a bunch of minor leaguers. The Dolans have made some pretty stupid trades in their tenure owning the Cleveland Indians. And I'm not going to get too far into this. But it really upsets me. I'm really tired of the Indians being the farm team for all of Major League Baseball. Think of the names that have come through Cleveland. Manny Ramirez, Cliff Lee, CeCe Sabathia, Giovanni Urshela. All of these big name players, all these players that have pitched in World Series and won World Series have come out of Cleveland. Why? Because the Dolans won't pay them. But they'll pay, what, $30 million to bring in Edwin Encarnacion? But you won't re-sign your homegrown talent that has told you time and time again he wants to stay in Cleveland, but he wants the money he's worth. Francisco Lindor, I hope you win a World Series. I really do. And I hope the Dolans sell the Indians before they decide to try and move them like Art Modell. Our model did that for the money. Now, you know, from a Red Sox fan perspective, because I all I can ever do on some of these matters is talk from my own fan base perspective. You know, the, the Red Sox aren't leaving Boston, period. They cannot do that. But when Boston has talent, they sometimes a lot. So many teams are just so afraid to pay big name players. Look at Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts just won a World Series. 
He got one with Boston. Now he's with the Dodgers. And Mookie Betts is arguably one of the best outfielders in baseball right now. He might. He he cannot arguably be the best because Mike Trout is unearthly, but he's easily one of the best right fielders in baseball. He wanted to remain with the Red Sox. He wanted to retire with the Red Sox. And what do you do? You trade the guy because your new GM doesn't want to pay him. That's all I'm saying. You got good young talent. Now Lindor is the same way. You have good young talent. And the only reason you make that trade for prospects like that is either A, because you see the prospects as being something huge for the future. B, because there's problems in the clubhouse or something like that, which we don't know. We don't know. As far as we're aware, Francisco Lindor left on good terms. And then thirdly, it's because you don't want to pay him. It's because you're cheap and you don't want to pay him. Now, by by no means am I calling anybody a cheapskate, but when you've got quality talent like that, unless you're giving up on your team for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, you don't make a trade like that. Yeah. Yeah, the nice thing with, with Boston is Boston's got a lot of talent still in the building, even without Mookie Betts. Verdugo looked good last year, but like you still have Chris Sale. You still have Xander Bogarts. Reportedly, Andrew Benintendi might be moving out. You know, you've still got some good young talent. I cannot name to you, other than Jose Ramirez, any of the starters on the Cleveland Indians. I can't do it. Neither can Roberto Perez. That's the only one I know. Maybe Cesar Cesar Hernandez, if he stays. I don't know if he stayed or not. But what really upsets me now is you're wasting Shane Bieber's prime. Oh, yeah, dude. Shane, Shane Bieber is easily one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, and it wouldn't surprise me if New York tried to go get him. Go. Do it. I hate the Yankees. But honestly, Shane Bieber deserves better than what the Dolans are doing to the Indians right now. Clevelanders deserve better than what the Dolans are doing right now. It is disrespectful that every time with Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco on this team, you still have a chance to win the basement that is the AL Central. Bring in another talent. Pay your guys. And now you have Jose Ramirez and Roberto Perez, who are both great players. Don't get me wrong. But it's not enough. This is this at best is a third place team in the Central. And God, I hope I'm wrong, but I know I'm not. Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez are not enough to win you in a title. The Dolans are giving up. And why the Dolans keep owning this team, I don't know. It I I'm it makes me upset. Why? Tell me why the Dolans are doing this. Ain't nothing but a heart. Sorry, I heard tell me why and I had to. So Look, and and this is the final thing I'm going to say on this because I need to knock you off your soapbox. So it's it's a trade and it happened. Um, You're going to sit here and argue it. I'm going to sit here and argue the same thing because I think it was a really, really dumb trade. But at the end of the day, ownership and your farm system, it saw something. It saw something in those players. And the relievers or whomever, if they if they pan out, awesome. But if you're stripping 
your building blocks. And Lindor is a guy who you're going to, you would have been able to build around for the next 10 years. Now you, you, this, this is a team that was in the world series five years ago. This was a team that was ready. You're on the brink every year. Now, You've, you've, you've got the Tigers who are down there, not going to do much. The Twins and the White Sox are starting to come back. But this trade right here signals the white flag that the Indians do not want to compete in the Central for the next two, three years. That's all that two, tells me. Two, three years? Two, three. It was six years in between playoff appearances for the Indians. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I just hope that Terry Francona knows what he's doing and can pull something. But that brings if me to something. Terry can. That brings me to something to ask you, Zach. Is it time for Major League Baseball to impose a salary cap? I don't know. Um, and and yeah, that's when you're going to get like super teams and such already established. But you know, the <laughs> not, oh, I almost dropped a really bad word. You did drop the really bad word. Okay. Um, Just keep going. Remember, we have a sensor for that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But like, look at look at the the Yankees, dude. The Yankees have put together one of the best rosters in baseball history, and they can't get out of the first round of the playoffs. You're gonna sit here and tell me that money matters in the MLB? The New York Yankees could go get Mike Trout and would not make it to a World Series. They would not make it. So should they put a salary cap? Should they not put a salary cap? I don't think it matters. I think it, I, I think it is just a, a matter of judging the talent that you have in your building. Okay, we'll get out of there before I get back on the soapbox because God knows I want to. Oh, well, we've got more soapbox soapbox action. As we jump into everybody's favorite segment, which we talk about all the time because it's so prevalent and easy to talk about, we are in playoffs. So obviously, if you're listening to our show, you know that Jacob is a Browns fan, I'm a Steelers fan, and you know most likely where the NFL season stands. But we want to take you through the wild card round. We want to take you through every round and really just give a good perspective on the year, which I think is good. So, again, just a reminder of the seedings. We'll, do, we'll cover the AFC first and then move to the NFC and just bounce a little bit. The AFC, one through seven in this order. First round by went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Buffalo at two, Pittsburgh at three, at four, the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens at five, Cleveland at six, and at seven rang in the Indianapolis Colts. On the NFC side of it, the number one seed, Green Bay Packers. Number two was the New Orleans Saints, the Seahawks at three, the Washington football team at four, at five, Tampa Bay. The sixth seed was the L.A. Rams, and the seventh seed, the Bears. Duh, Bears. So, this weekend, and I, I'm going to save the big glaring game for the very end, because you and I are going to give very different opinions on it. Uh, we'll go in order of the games that actually were played. So, um, the Bills held on to beat the Colts 
in Buffalo, giving Buffalo their first playoff win in like 17 years. Josh Allen, how good does this kid look? I, I said when he was coming out of the draft, I saw his bowl game against Central Michigan his senior year. This kid is Aaron Rodgers 2.0. He, he plays very Aaron Rodgers-esque, but he's more mobile. He can get out of the pocket. He can run the ball down the field. And he was the perfect quarterback to go to this Buffalo team. That being said, he's my early favorite for next year's MVP. He was my preseason MVP. And now you see why. If Josh Allen plays this way all season, there's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that you have an MVP under your belt. So that's going to push us into the next game. As again, the Buffalo Bills would knock off uh, Phillip Rivers. It was close. That game was close. If Phillip Rivers doesn't turn the ball over as many times as he did, that's an easy win for the Colts, and Buffalo's not in this game. And at the end of the game, the, the replay tried to give the Colts a chance. Uh, overturning one thing had another thing, and then they just couldn't get it done. Rivers had to try to throw the Hail Mary and couldn't get it. So the Bills would advance. The Indianapolis Colts would not. That would bring us to another big one. The Rams Seahawks. Now, John Wofford started this game for the Rams. In Seattle with Russell Wilson. Now, no fans were in attendance, but Saints clearly favorites. Jared Goff is sitting on the bench with a surgically repaired thumb, which he had gotten the week before. Wofford's in the game. This is Seattle. This should be an easy victory. Yeah, the Rams have a good defense, but offensively, they got nothing. They have nothing. And what happens? Seattle loses. And it's just like how I said when we did our live stream uh, back before the playoffs started, Seattle is a very one. They go from one dimension to one dimension. They don't have, they are never a two dimensional offense. And the Rams defense uh, can stop one dimensional teams. It's they can stop them. They did it. The Seahawks played one dimensional and the Rams made them hear about it. And and that's not something you would expect from Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Really good receivers. You need to find that third receiver in free agency. If I'm listing off needs for Seattle, that's the first one. Go get a guy who can line up in the slot and take people deep. Now, Tyler Lockett typically is that guy, so find another home run threat. And they're in the draft or free agency. You got to get younger at tight end. You got to get younger at tight end. Greg Olson is good, but Greg Olson is not a future guy. You need an offensive line. And Seattle's defense needs help. This is not the Legion of Boom anymore. Now, how much of this loss is on Pete Carroll, Zach? You see, as much as I want to sit here and blame coaches, and I said this with, you know, the Browns all the all the past couple of years with how many coaches they've had and everything, you can keep firing the coach. You can fire him and fire him and fire him. But at some point, you have to sit there and say, is it the players? Now, 
I don't know. Pete Carroll is still a really good player or coach, excuse me, not player. <laughs> I was, I started thinking Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll is a really good coach, but the thing that I need to sit here and say is your scouting department. What has this been? You know, you've got teams that are good at scouting. You've got teams that are great at scouting. You've got teams that aren't so good at scouting. That happens. But year after year after year, I keep seeing Seattle draft these guys that I've never heard of. And then I never hear how good they do on the field. The last player that I could tell you at the top of my head that Seattle drafted is Rashad Penny in the first round. And Rashad Penny is the second or third string running back. DK Metcalf was a home run pick because he was a projected first round pick that fell to you. You know, I, that's probably the area I would start. That's the area I would look at good teams that can build through the draft. You're successful forever. You're so successful. And the two best teams to show that to you or three best, I should say Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Washington. I I am going to say a little bit of this is on Pete Carroll. And it all goes back to not running Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line in a Super Bowl. I don't know who's calling the. I don't know if he calls his plays or if his OC calls the plays out in Seattle, but something's need something needs shaken up out there. So the Rams would get the win. Uh, Jared Goff would come in after a scary. On John Wofford that knocked him out of the game with concussion protocol. Uh, again, hopefully he is okay. I actually don't haven't seen any updates on him, but the Rams will advance through Wild Card Weekend. Um, the Seahawks would fall. So that takes us to the Saturday night game. The Washington football team taking on Tom Brady and this high-powered Tampa Bay offense. Tampa obviously blows him out, right? Yeah. No. No. So that's what we thought was going to happen, but we all knew that Washington's defense is stout. But when you don't have Alex Smith for the football team, was Alex Smith in that game? No. No, he, he wasn't. Didn't yeah. play. He didn't play. He didn't play. He was hurt. And uh, what they had a was it their it was a guy they like just signed the prior week. I can't think of his name. So Taylor Heineke. Okay. is a guy that they signed off of the practice squad in a year like COVID to have a practice squad. QB is not weird. A lot of teams have them, especially after the Denver situation where all their quarterbacks tested positive for COVID-19 or were deemed high risk and therefore couldn't play. Ron Rivera sat there and said, nope, this isn't happening, and he put Taylor Heineke on his practice squad. And Taylor Heineke, yeah, you get to sit there and learn everything that we can teach you, but you are not allowed to be anywhere near the rest of the quarterbacks. And what happened? Taylor Heineke almost put Washington in the divisional round. Almost did it. And, and he came up just short. Now, Washington is a team I am so excited to watch over the next two seasons. 
Because I think Washington could be right back there next season. This defense is enough, man. This defense is good. You need to go get a solid number two wide receiver next to Terry McLaurin. You need to find your QB of the future. And Washington's fine. If Tampa doesn't show up in the next round of the playoffs like they did against Washington, it's not happening. Tampa Bay is not doing much. But like on, on behalf of myself and Silo, you got to give a round of applause to Washington. Washington played their hearts out. Yeah, for a team without a name, they played like a team with a name. It was crazy. So that takes us through the first day of wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. Honestly, just wall to wall football was so much fun to watch. And then so, we get to talk about uh, the slime zone. Let, let's get through the game one <laughs> first before we keep going. So just to recap, first day of wild card action, the Rams, Tampa Bay and Buffalo advanced First game that we'll talk about for the second day of wildcard weekend, Buffalo or not Buffalo, Baltimore at Tennessee. And Baltimore showed up, believe it or not. Who would have guessed that Lamar Jackson, the postseason would win a game? Lamar Jackson gets his first win as a starter in the postseason as he gets a huge win over the Tennessee Titans and not allowing Derrick Henry to get going. Yeah, sorry. I was looking for something for when we end up talking about the Browns. Um, the Titans made this a game at first, and I really thought the Titans were going to be the Achilles heel of Lamar again. But then he just starts pulling away. The Titans couldn't do anything to stop him. And it was 10 to nothing at one point. It was 10 to nothing for the Titans at one point. And then... Their offense stopped scoring. Baltimore started scoring, and it was all downhill from there in Nashville. So Tennessee falls apart, cannot get the run game going, and this defense, which has been, for a lack of better terms, really bad this year. As I mentioned, going into the postseason, TJ Watt alone had more sacks than the entirety of the Tennessee Titans. Not good. Not good. So defense really needs to be addressed. So Baltimore advances. The slime zone. Nickelodeon got to cast a game, and honestly, it was so fun. I, I want to see it again. Fun game. I want every. I really want Nickelodeon to start doing a game of the week now, with Noah Eagle doing play by play. The thing that I really liked the most about that, and then we'll talk about the final score, and then move on because I don't want to take too much time here. But Nickelodeon broke it down. And that's the thing that I love the most to expose it to younger viewers. They broke everything down during the game and started explaining it. Comparing it, was, it to SpongeBob, the fairly odd parents, Drake and Josh. Making also, it something we could understand. And that was the coolest part. That was the coolest part. I also loved all the Drake and Josh references. And I love how they asked all the player what their players, what their favorite Nickelodeon shows were. So this one doesn't need too much explaining. The Saints won. The Saints Again. came marching in and went walking, marching right back out with the W. The thing I will say is that this game should have been a lot closer. Mitch Trubisky threw a dime down the field. 
breadbasket catch. So right in the arms, right in the arms. And it slipped and it went through the receiver's hands. This game is not on Mitchell Trubisky. I think Mitchell Trubisky should get another year, just one year. He should. And, you know, the thing that I will say is that really cruddy offense has ruined the potential for Khalil Mack to go in the Super Bowl. You have wasted Khalil Mack. That is what I'm going to say. I don't want to get into too much. I think Khalil Mack is a fantastic defensive player, but you have wasted the career of Khalil Mack. And I'm so sad to see that. As a Browns fan, Bears, we could use some help on the uh, defensive side. What you want? You want OBJ? We'll give you OBJ straight up for Mac. That actually might not be a bad deal, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to sneeze. He said he I felt sneezed. it. I felt it coming. So Saints get a big win. Saints move on. And that takes us into the Sunday night game. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh, part three. And I was waiting all day for Sunday night, Zach. Everybody was. Uh, This is a game. Real quick. Before before we get into it, Zach. Remember when I told you playing two weeks in a row was going to benefit the Browns more than it did the Steelers? Yeah, I do. Was I right? You you were partially right. I want to explain myself a little bit. So I am prefacing this. All right. I am not mad. I was not mad the night of the game. Seidel is my witness. I sat there and I, I, I thought it through. Um, Pittsburgh didn't show up. Um, 11 and 0. The Pittsburgh Steelers win. The last undefeated team in the NFL. 11-0. After that loss to Washington, the question came up. Is it a matter that Pittsburgh got too big for its britches? Or was it the fact that Pittsburgh benefited from an easy schedule? And sitting here now at the end of the year and reflecting back, I think it has to do with an easy schedule. Um, This defense is really, really good. Really, really good. TJ Watt should win defensive player of the year. No question to ask. Minka Fitzpatrick is really good. Joe Hayden wasn't playing due to COVID-19. We lost two of our four starting linebackers for the year. Devin Bush and and, uh, Bud Dupree not playing. You can deal with injuries. Good teams can build around and have good injuries. And I've said that earlier. You can get through injuries by building. But multiple injuries to the same position hurt. Pittsburgh couldn't run the ball. And when your first play from scrimmage is a fumble for a touchdown, that's not good. And, now, And it wasn't a fumble, first off. It was a bad snap. It was, a, it was probably one of the worst snaps we've seen in the National Football League this year. I'm not rubbing this in your face, Zach. No, you're good. But it looked like Pouncey got the yips on that first snap. And the thing that I'm going to say, Cleveland listened. Pittsburgh walked in cocky. Hey, we're Pittsburgh. We beat Cleveland here at Heinz Field 17 straight times. Cleveland is coming in here as massive underdogs. Cleveland doesn't have its coach. We've got this. No need to worry. And there was reason to worry. 
I've said it once on this show, and I will say it a thousand times. I don't care if you're Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, whoever. You throw three interceptions in a game, you're not winning. Period. You turn the ball over in plus territory, Baker Mayfield doesn't even need to play like a superstar. He can hand the ball off or toss it just short to Jarvis Landry in his game. Pittsburgh didn't play. Pittsburgh danced. And no, it's not on Juju. No, it's not on Juju. But sometimes players just need to learn to stop talking and play the game. And the best example on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think you may agree with me on this one, is Mr. Cameron Hayward. Cam Hayward has not been on social media or talked on social media since that loss because he's mad. You play all year for a game like that. That is a game Pittsburgh should win easily. It's a game that most people thought they would win, and they didn't show up. And the image at the end of the game said it all of Ben Roethlisberger sitting on the bench with Marquise Pouncey, potentially as his last game as a Steeler, and they lost. Simple as that. Kudos to the Browns. Kudos to the Browns. And as I said on Twitter that night, and I've said the title since, nothing but respect out of that game. Baker Mayfield answered every question that I threw at him this year. Can you make the good throws down the field? Yes, you can. Can you show up in the big games? Yes, you can. When the run game isn't there, can you make something happen? Yes, he can. Baker Mayfield has proved it. Baker Mayfield is the guy. Sign him. Sign him. The defense has holes. I will say that. Miles Garrett was contained. But you didn't show up. So congratulations, Cleveland. I fully mean that, even though my tone may not suggest it. I fully mean that. Congratulations. You have ended a super long playoff drought. Super long. Um, I want to preface something really quick before I let Seidel hop back onto his soapbox, because he's going to have plenty of these moments today. Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, I know the odds of you listening to this are very, very, very slim. The first round pick out of the 2004 draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You should have ended up in New York, but trades happened and you fell to Pittsburgh. You have spent quite a long career in Pittsburgh. You're from Ohio. You got drafted by the Steelers. You've won two Super Bowls, Offensive Rookie of the Year. You're 39 years old. It's time. I'd love to see you come back. I've been able to see him play in person. It's so cool that I've gotten to see somebody who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame play in person. I saw the Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger show off a couple of years back. It was so cool. So cool. But the Steelers were a one-dimensional offense this year. I'm not pinning this on Ben, but he was a factor. I'd like to see Ben get one more year, just this next season, but then hang it up. I think it's time. It's sad. It makes me sad to say that. But, you know, thank you, Mr. Roethlisberger, for everything you've done. But I think it's coming to a close. And I think you know that. Um, the Steelers will look to rebound. But go ahead, sir. Take your moment. Seriously, take it. I'm not going to rub this in your face too much, Zach. But the AFC North is about to run through Cleveland. I say this with every... 
to every Steelers fan that ever bullied me for sticking with the Browns since 1999, or really since I became a fan because I was two years old in 1999. Uh, but I digress. We did it. We got the monkey off the back. Brown's defense played well. Bend, not break. My only complaints about this game is, okay, honestly, Zach, what is it with about, what is it about receivers and running backs from the Steelers? You know, what is it like this game came down to a punt? No, not not even that. Not even that. I'm just talking about Juju's the Browns is the Browns nameless gray faces. Come on. Yeah, I get it. Cleveland. We're the NFL's punching bag. But then Chase Claypool. I I was I was pulling for Claypool. I thought he's I think he's going to do great things in the NFL. But he was such a sore loser. And then I chalk up to rookie inexperience. He he's a rookie. And you know, that's where somebody like Cam Hayward or Ben Roethlisberger just needs to text him. Hey, Chase, I know you're upset, but put it on the field next year, not this year. And the other thing that I want to say really quick, and then I'll let you hop back on. And I said this on Twitter. No matter what is said at the end of this game, no matter who wins or who loses, the thing that is going to stick is a punt on fourth and one. You're in Brown's territory and you're down two scores. Going into the fourth quarter. What sense does that make? Why? Like Mike Tomlin said that he trusted his defense and I would trust it too. But the Browns had no answer for Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh keeps driving, I don't know if Cleveland holds on. Because Cleveland's defense looks lo- looked lost at that point. There was no chemistry on offense. And once that happened, once that punt happened, you got re-energized. And that's what ended up costing this game. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to be on my soapbox too much longer. These are not the same old Browns. There's new life blossoming on the uh, shores of Lake Erie. There's going to be a new statue in front of First Energy Stadium. And I I take back every every critic uh, every time I've criticized the Haslam's. I take it back. You got my soccer team in championship. You got my football team into the playoffs. Enough said. I trust you. And with that, we will move on. Again, saying it now, there was no hard feelings going into the game against you, sir. Nothing coming out of exactly. it. Brown, the Browns played a great game. I can't, I can't sit there and be upset. The only thing I can be upset about was a punt on fourth and one. Um, but congratulations, Cleveland. You've got a good team. You've, your future is bright. Your future is bright. Every AFC North team looks awesome, and I'm so excited for the future of the AFC North. So we move on in to this past weekend, the divisional round series. Browns at Chiefs, Ravens at Bills, Buccaneers at Saints, Rams at Green Bay. And we're going to kind of nitpick through a couple of these. Um, We'll talk about the main few. Um, So first and foremost, the Rams went into Green Bay going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's had a week off. And Aaron Rodgers torched. 
this Rams defense. Now, the Rams play really, really well defensively. Offensively, I can't say the same thing. Cam Akers looks really, really good. That's the first takeaway I can say for the Rams. But I don't know if Aaron Donald's going to get that ring that he's chasing. So the Packers get a big, big win over the Rams at home. And now they get an opponent who I'm going to let you talk about this next one. Buccaneers and Saints, the winner of that game, goes to Lambeau to take on the Packers. Yeah, and I thought that this was going to be Drew Brees and the Saints going the third time. And it was a very close contested game. And then Drew Brees threw a pick. Really, Tampa Bay's defense heard some criticism and stepped up. And now we get to see Rodgers Brady part two of the season. And this is angry Aaron. Angry Aaron's about to come out first off. Angry Aaron. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I'm impressed. I did not think the Buccaneers would be able to pull out of that game. But they not only pull out of it, they end up winning by 10. And two things to take away from this game. One is that Bruce Arians never showed his full bag of tricks. That's the cool thing about this is that coaches in division, some will throw everything they've got at you in the regular season, but coaches like Arians knows I might see you again. And when it counts, I'm going to show up. So that's the first thing. And the second thing that I'm going to say now is that reports came out before that game that Drew Brees at the end of this postseason planned to hang it up. And his final game, supposedly final game, he's going to quote weigh his options, was at home at the Superdome without fans. And that, I think, is the saddest part, is that Drew Brees did not get that Louisiana send-off. The game ended. Drew Brees and Tom Brady embraced and shared their moments, two of the best to ever play. Um, at the end of the game, Tom Brady came out and caught up with Drew Brees for a few minutes and threw footballs with his kids. Classy act. Yeah. Seriously classy act out of both of these guys. This is this is two guys who have been at this for so long. Um, and if Drew Brees does hang it up, I want to be amongst the media to say thank you. Yeah. Drew Brees has done it, had a hell of a career. Drew, hell of a career. Drew Brees helped me find my love for football in that Super Bowl. Mr. Brees, you deserved better if this was your final game. I'm not saying I'm not saying because of the loss. You deserved the Bayou goodbye. And I hope That's you do something unprecedented. I hope you come back week one, 2021. And ride off into the sunset in front of 50,000 plus like you deserve. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You are statistically the best quarterback to ever play the game of football from a passing standpoint. And you are going up against the winningest quarterback in Super Bowl history. The goat. You know, you know, Drew Brees, you're the goat to me. I have loved you are. You've been one of my favorite quarterbacks to see play when you are playing the Browns. Congratulations on you. Enjoy your retirement. You deserve it. 
Hope, Heck to, of a see, career, hope, hope to see you on CBS or Fox working with Tony or either working with Tony Romo or doing something in the studio. But no, you, you your playing career is not over. Your playing career might be over, but your football career is not. Hats off. I don't have a hat. <laughs> hats off. I don't have a hat. Hats off to you, Mr. Breeze. Congratulations on a heck of a career if that's what you decide. Um, we're going to continue on to the AFC side. So the NFC side to this moment in time. And again, we'll see more of this pat next weekend. Buccaneers at Packers. So... What's next? Well, the Ravens in the Bills game. And then I'm going to let you talk the entirety of the Browns Chiefs game. So the Ravens got a huge win. Lamar Jackson got his first playoff win and they go up against Buffalo and Lamar Jackson looks like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson shows does not show up. He does not show up against the Buffalo Bills team that is playing their best football of the year right now. Lamar Jackson does not show up in the postseason again. Yeah, you got your first win over the Colts. Or not over the Colts. The Titans, thank you. I blanked there for a minute. You know, you got a win. Congratulations. I'm still a firm believer of a win is a win no matter how you get it. But it's like you didn't even show up. Now, classy act by Baltimore. Lamar Jackson still signed, you know, autograph after the game when he got back. And classy move by the Buffalo Bills fans. And I want to say that Buffalo Bills fans may be the classiest fans in football. They might be one of the, some of the best fans. Yeah, when they're not jumping after, through tables. <laughs> after that game, Bills Mafia rose up and donated to Lamar Jackson's charity. Or at least the charity that he has supported in the past. Classy act. Um, again, it sucks to see Baltimore out. Lamar Jackson is just fun to watch. But the criticism of him comes back to bite him. Lamar Jackson cannot show up in big moments, and Lamar Jackson cannot throw the football. A hundred one yard pick six. Then that was, was the game. Then he came out of it. Then he was out of the game. Lamar Jackson is not the long term answer at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. You think he's more? You think he's like a Mike Vick type thing? Yeah, I think so. The Ravens need to draft another quarterback because he's not going to be the one long term, unless he can learn to throw the football with accuracy, like Russell Wilson. He's not going to be able to stick around in the AFC North. That I couldn't being, agree more. That being said, go go Bills. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. Why I'm saying that because I will never say that again. Uh, but yeah, Buffalo's fun to watch and like to, to sit and look at your claim. Baker Mayfield has checked the boxes this year so far. Um, so to that regard, you know, you've got to show up against the Browns for the next couple of years. As long as they keep developing and progressing. That's why I say next couple of years, because I don't know, like 20 years from 10 years from now, excuse me. You got to contend with Joe Burrow and the Bengals because that Bengals offense is good. That Bengals offense is really good. And, you know, in the mock draft that I'm currently working on, I have the Bills or not the Bills, the Bengals improving that offense. Scary word, improve it. 
you know, Pittsburgh, I don't know what their long-term offensive solution is, but you know, if Pittsburgh runs the ball more effectively, Pittsburgh might win against Cleveland and continue on the postseason. I don't know. Baltimore's got to be able to step up in those types of games. I don't know. They can. So Buffalo advances, and that takes us to the game that probably has been circled on everybody's calendar once this next week was revealed. Cleveland getting their first playoff victory in quite a while. Since 1994. Gets to go take on the reigning Super Bowl champions and the reigning Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Sir, as my resident Cleveland Browns expert, I would like you to talk about this game from a non-biased standpoint. Have fun. Well, you see, first off, I'm not upset. Yeah, it would have been great if the Browns could have won this game, but they went down early. They struggled. Uh... Nick Chubb dropped a few crucial passes, but Baker Mayfield looked good. He had a good first half. The Browns had a good first half, and they they would have been in this game. It would have been a one-score game at halftime had uh, the worst rule in the NFL not ruled its ugly head. Um, I know you said non-biased, but it it still makes no sense to me that fumbling the ball at the one-yard line and going through the end zone and out is a touchback for the other team. Um, And then that helmet to helmet call that was missed on the field. That's going to be the next, like a challengeable pass interference. That's going to be the next reviewable play leading with the helmet. And it sucks. And then the KC defense kind of stuttered. The Browns pulled into within one score a big hit on Mahomes sent him out and it was a clean hit too. Uh, and, no- and, and to interject a minute, Mac Wilson after the game did reach out and apologize. He did reach out. He did I'm, reach I'm- out and apologize, but that was in that situation. That is the safest hit you can possibly make. He, you talk about the rugby tackle starting to come into the NFL. He went with the shoulder, put his head behind Mahomes back. And unfortunately it's the ground that caused the concussion. But it's not not what you wanted to see. Henny comes in, throws a late interception, and then the Browns' defense just runs out of gas. Offense, pardon me. And then they they couldn't stop a fourth and thirteen scramble by the quarterback to make it, or third and fourteen, and then it makes it fourth and inches, and you can't stop him. A good pass, and the Browns' season's over. And I I hate. I really hate that it's over because this Browns team was so much fun to watch. But now it's time to start building the defense. Um, You've got, you've got the answer at quarterback. Baker Mayfield is your answer at quarterback. Sign him long-term deal. Jarvis Landry, keep him Hooper. Great job as a tight end. Bryant's doing a good job. Uh, And, Honestly, a big shout out uh, to the guy Baker Mayfield met before the game in Pittsburgh, and he ended up playing a big role in both their playoff games. Blake Hentz, he had to come in when uh, a lineman went down in the Pittsburgh game. Then in the KC game, Jedrick Wills goes down 
and then his backup goes down and hence has to come in and he might have played him. Pardon me. Hence might have played his way onto an NFL roster next year. In those two games he played, he was signed off the Jets practice squad for the playoff game against the Steelers. And he had to play in two playoff games and arguably was the most solid offensive lineman Cleveland had in those two games, even though he didn't play the whole game. But shout out to you, sir. Kudos to you. Kansas City. You played a good game. But I think the Browns just proved so or how close they are to being the upper echelon of the NFL. You see, the thing that I'm going to say about the Browns is I would feel a lot of pride if I'm a Browns fan. Because first and foremost, the thing that lost in that game was playoff inexperience. That's the first thing that, that did it. Um, the future is bright. Stefanski is going to be one of the top two for coach of the year. I still think Brian Flores deserves a solid, solid look. But Kevin Stefanski may be the winner of that award. Baker Mayfield's good. This offensive line is rebuilt. The run game is solid. Who knows what happens with Odell Beckham? Donovan Peoples-Jones looks really good. Jarvis Landry, really, really solid. He's getting up there in age, but he's really, really solid. That being said, the defense. The defense is the thing that is going to kill this team. That's what's going to hurt them. And you've got to address it before it becomes too late. Is, you know, is Denzel Ward the best cornerback in the NFL? No, he's not. Greedy Williams hasn't played. Grant Delpit was hurt. I get all that. But this defense has been all year a Miles Garrett injury away from being really screwed. Simple as that. Um, You got to really sit there and admire Cleveland. And I'm sitting here as a Steelers fan. I'm not going to root for Cleveland, but I got to sit here and say that Cleveland is not the dumpster of the NFL anymore. They're not. Um, I'm happy to see them succeed because it makes my division look better. I'm happy to see them succeed because suddenly it's not, oh, Pittsburgh's going to get a free win out of this game. Now it's, oh, crap. Cleveland's pretty decent. That's what I'm happy about. Um, Kansas City does get a big win. Patrick Mahomes is something to watch over this next week. But the AFC Championship Series is set. Kansas City and Buffalo will duel in Kansas City the second time this season they will meet. Um, my Super Bowl prediction's out the window at this point. Um, I'm saying Bills-Packers. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. And um, I think the Bills are going to win it. If we just take a quick look at the Bills and the Chiefs, it's all gonna it's gonna come down to one thing, and it's that if is Patrick Mahomes gonna be cleared to play from his concussion. So just gonna run through a couple of quick storylines. We're not gonna go into anything really quick. We're just gonna update it. Uh, first and foremost, some of the coaching hires. Two head coaches have been established in the NFL. Urban Meyer, the former coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons, Isaac Zuma, Florida Gators, and Ohio State Buckeyes signs a deal to be the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You he for- signed that contract on Thursday. You forgot the Utah Utes. I forgot the Utah Utes, but I got the Bowling Green Falcons in there. 
And then the defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, Robert Sala, uh, he agreed to a five-year deal to be the new head coach of the New York Jets. A um, couple of other big names. Um, as I mentioned, Drew Brees reportedly to retire after the loss to Tampa Bay, although he will weigh his options. Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, and Alex Smith will also be mulling their future uh, after their futures in the NFL after the, their losses. Ben Roethlisberger has already kind of gone public and said that he would like to return. Uh, Philip Rivers and Alex Smith are still debating it. And finally, quarterback drama in Houston. Deshaun Watson reportedly wants out of Houston. This is coming from front office players. Pretty much everybody but Deshaun Watson has said he wants out. Um. The biggest trade rumors are either in Chicago, from what I've heard, and then Deshaun Watson went public and said that he would waive his no-trade clause in a deal with Miami, where potentially Tua Tungabailoa, the first-round pick of the 2019-2020 NFL draft to the Miami Dolphins, would come to Houston along with other players, as the Dolphins are unsure of Tua's long-term success. That's a dumb deal if you're the Dolphins. I'm just saying. Deshaun Watson for Tua? No, no. Whoa, whoa, what? I you think would, you're telling me that you wouldn't bring Deshaun Watson to Miami. I think Tua would have a better long term, have more long term no. success. No, no, no. You cannot sit there and tell me right now that you think Tua will be better in Miami long term than Deshaun Watson. I can, and I am. I think that's oh. a dumb move for the Dolphins. Oh, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy. Houston's a dumpster fire, first of all. J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson need to get traded away. They deserve better. Secondly, no. No. Tua couldn't show up when he needed to. He was a rookie. You can say rookie all you want, but he didn't show up. He's a rookie coming off an injury. You can't judge his entire career off that. And that's coming from a Browns fan. If if I am Miami and Deshaun Watson just said what he said, and he says, I want to come over to Miami, and Houston says, I want draft capital and Tua Tonga by Loa, I sit there and say, okay, Bill O'Brien, are you still in Houston? And I trade for Deshaun Watson right now. Deshaun Watson is a generational QB. And I'm and he's getting his career wasted right now. Give him a system where he's got wide receivers, a team where they're going to go draft a running back. It's, it's a, that's a no brainer for me. That's a no brainer for me. So that'll take us into the NCAAF, the National Collegiate Association of Football. That's college football. Na- National Collegiate Athletic Association football. Yeah, I forgot the last A there for a minute. It's okay. TikTok will be ready for us. Anyway, (laughs) the college football championship game between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Ohio State Buckeyes was last week. And, you know, we can say Ohio State by a billion all the time, but that wasn't the case in this game. No, and losing Trey Sermon early in the game really hurt the Buckeyes. Uh, who were sticking in there until about halftime, and then after halftime, they just couldn't stop the tide, unfortunately, in my opinion. Uh, and it, Who knows what's going to happen for the Buckeyes now? 
And, you know, there's a couple of things that you can sit there and say with this game. You're not going to first and foremost beat Devontae Smith when he puts up three touchdowns in the first half. You're not beating that team. Devontae Smith is so good, and he's going to make some team very, very happy when his name gets called on draft day. Then, you know, Justin Fields, he gave it his all. Like, you cannot sit there and put any of that loss on Justin Fields. He tried his hardest to get back into that game. But no Master Teague, or Master Teague was playing hurt. I don't know if he played. Did he play? Yeah, he played. He was out against Clemson. That's what it was. So Trey Sermon was hurt. Master Teague was coming off of an injury. You know, what What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Justin Fields was not 100%. Yeah, that hit from the Clemson game was still hurting him. So Alabama wins. Coach Saban gets to pick up another ring. But that's not all to announce. A couple of notable players have already decided to enter into the NFL draft in April. Um, a couple of notable ones other than Zach Wilson and those guys who have already put their names in there. Trey Sermon, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, all declaring for the NFL draft in April. So maybe you get a mock draft show. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be live streamed and available on all podcast platforms. Maybe, just maybe, we've already started the works on that, and it's going to be something that'll be getting ready to go. Maybe, maybe. Oh, how's your book coming? You My are book? Right, you're writing a book? A character goes through it. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to have a mock draft episode. That's what, the, that's what the moral of this story is, everyone. Mock drafts have already started being created. They've been created since the last uh, draft ended. Uh, already gotten my mock draft started. And the first pick may surprise you, but that is yet to be seen. So do stay tuned to Twitter and all of that fun stuff to get that. And then the final news out of college football. Um, and this may be the biggest one. This actually dropped today, the 18th of January. The NFL Combine, which has been at Lucas Oil Stadium since the Combine kicked off. It's not going to be at the Combine. It's not going to be at Lucas Oil this year. It will be online. It'll be virtual. There will be no pre-draft workouts. So, two things that this says. One, that teams that did not play this year, who had players opt out. So, players like Micah Parsons, Trey Lance, uh, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Those players are now at an extreme disadvantage because all you've got to work with is either film from last year or from the minimal game time experience you had this year. Trey Lance playing one game. Yeah, that that's going to hurt. Uh, and it's also going to hurt players who can't have the face-to-face meeting. We hear all the time about head scouts going in for their meeting with players and their handshake's bad and they won't draft them. Or they say something stupid. They don't draft them. It's going to be a bit easier to get around that if you're a player when it's over Zoom. And that, that's, you're 100% correct. That might just be the biggest problem with this now. Um, yeah, everything's going to be virtual. It's going to be based on game tape. And yeah, game tape is one of the best things to look at if you're you know scouting a team regardless. But you're sitting here telling me that quarterbacks, 
quarterbacks is the perfect one. You're going to be choosing your franchise QB based on game film from a year that was dominated by COVID-19. I don't, I don't know if you can sit there and justify that. Yeah. uh, It's going to be interesting. The scouting world got turned on its head. And finally, as we move out of the NFL, we go into the NBA where we haven't talked a lot about the NBA, still a really young season and trying to learn a lot about the new teams that have been put together, a lot of injuries and all that. But one team in particular now looks terrifying. James Harden, the former guard of the Rockets, was okay for a little bit. The Rockets weren't doing too bad, but the Rockets have been not doing well lately. So he demanded another trade, and he got it. So the Rockets perform a four-team mega deal that included the Cleveland Cavaliers, Indiana Pacers, Houston Rockets, and the Brooklyn Nets. The Cavaliers out of this deal received Jarrett Allen and Turian Prince. The Brooklyn Nets got James Harden and a second-round pick. The Pacers got Karis Levert and a second-round pick, and Levert might be out for the season due to an injury. And the Houston Rockets made out like bandits. Got Dante Exum, Rodians Kuroks, Victor Oladipo. Four first-round picks, all unprotected. Four first-round picks, swaps all unprotected. They got the Cavaliers pick in 2022 from the Bucks. The Nets picks in 22, 24, and 26. And they got the picks from the Nets in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. What a deal. That, I think, uh, <laughs> the Nets are championship or bust with this one. A great deal for the Rockets. We'll see what happens with the Nets. The Cavs got some good players uh, that can help out now with the injuries in Cleveland. So we'll see what can happen. Uh, and then... We'll see what else unfolds from the uh, Kyrie Irving saga in Brooklyn. And, you know, you can say a lot, but this Brooklyn team now has a big three that could rival anybody. You're looking at a big three that is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. That's nuts. Are, are we sure we're not just 2K take 2K simulating this season? Wait, you mean you're not? Uh, I don't have 2K, bud. I don't have 2K21. Uh, Mr. Gilbert? Mr. Dan Gilbert, we have a question for you. Confused? <laughs> yeah. Uh, next week, if any more you know craziness happens, we'll get into the whole Kyrie Irving debacle so well we know it's been a little bit of a long show but it's a show that we needed to get in here um a lot of information to go through and we're gonna have a lot to talk about here in the next coming weeks super bowl coming up nba action coming up nhl just started we didn't even get to talk about hockey falcon sports anything like that so real quick 
Congratulations, Ty Eigner and the Bowling Green State University hockey team for becoming the 26th program in NCAA Division I ice hockey history to win 1,000 games in the history of the program. That's a milestone. That was huge for this team, for the university, everything. 26th. 26th. And they are now ranked fifth in the coaches poll. You want to know what? I think we're going to see you want you want a hot take? You want one? You want hot one? Hot take? No. No. Not this week. No. Not this no? week, buddy. You don't want a hot take? We got to be careful. Remember, no jinxes. But I've got a desk. It's made of wood. I can knock. Let's Come see on. how the series at, against Bemidji goes. Come on, you know you want a hot take. I, I know what this hot take is going to be, but I think no, we should wait until after don't. the Bemidji State Series. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. College hockey. Cottage hockey. Come on. Come on, Zach. Come on. Give me one week. One week. Okay. One week. One week. And with that, we're going to sign off. Our intro to outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. Our logo is made by Dylan Hunter. Zach Smith, Jacob Seidel, signing off, reminding you to stay safe, stay happy, healthy. Stay happy, too, hockey. I guess. S- stay hockey. And I, Ziggy Zumba. Zumba.